I love wine, but sometimes it can get really expensive, which is why I'm so excited that today's episode is brought to you by Last Bottle Wines. If you don't know, they're a Napa-based online wine shop with a twist. They offer just one hand-picked wine per day until it sells out, which is often in hours. So new day, new wine, always at incredible prices. We're talking 30 to 70% off retail. And the best part is that there's no subscriptions, no fees, and no minimum purchase. Just a daily email with a really great wine. They're offering Datable listeners 10% off your first order with code Datable. And now is such a great time to join as their marathon sale is coming up on March 28th and 29th. They flip that one-day rule on its head and offer back-to-back deals, which means that wines are only up on the site for a couple minutes at a time and shipping is 100% free. They send us a mini marathon package of some of their favorites and let me tell you, they were delicious. Sign up at lastbottlewines.com and use the code DATABLE and find out why Last Bottle is the most fun way to discover and buy amazing wine. We are so thrilled to be partnering with Hinge. Hinge is the dating app designed to be deleted. As you all know, I'm a huge Hinge advocate as I met my partner of almost three years on the app. Even before meeting him, Hinge was always my go-to app because I met more relationship-minded people here and had some great dates. Clearly, I haven't been on the app for a little while, but I re-downloaded it to check out some of the new features. One that stood out to me was the voice prompt, my best friend's take on why you should date me, where your friend can hype you up. Not only does this make the profile creation less daunting, but it's not always easy to see your own green flags. So to test it out, I asked UA some fun prompts to get her take on what I could put if I was dating again. So the first one, how long have we known each other? What was your first impression of me and how has that changed? Julie and I have known each other for almost 10 years. My first impression of Julie was that she's very social, but I've learned that she has a lot more depth to her beyond the social butterfly that she is. My next prompt, what do you think are my green flags? I would say she's deeply loyal. She believes in love, curious mindset, and she is fearlessly ambitious. And then last but not least, what kind of friend am I? Julie is the kind of friend who will always have your back, no matter what. Damn, that feels nice to hear. So download Hinge and try voice prompts today. Then find someone worth deleting the app for. The Dateable Podcast is an insider's look into modern dating that the Huffington Post calls one of the top 10 podcasts about love and sex. On each episode, we'll talk to real daters about everything from sex parties to sex droughts, date fails to diaper fetishes, and first moves to first loves. I'm your host, Yue Xu, former dating coach turned dating sociologist. You'll also hear from my co-host and producer, Julie Krafchick, as we explore this crazy dateable world. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Dateable, a show all about modern dating where we dig into the why, why, whys of people's behavior. And this is our season finale. Not only <laughs> is it season finale for season 11, it's also our last season of 2020. 2020 has finally come to an end, or it's about to come to an end. Like, get the fuck out of here, 2020. Make room for 2021. I feel like there's literally no New Year's plans this year, because we can't have any, but also everyone's like, fuck this year. Like, But I guess that would be maybe grounds to celebrate the new one, but also we don't know what's around the corner on January 1st. Probably not much change. I know. (laughs) My friend was saying the same thing. He's like, "Uh, 2021, exact same shit as 2020. (laughs) We're just used to it now. (laughs) 
it's not a surprise anymore. There's hope on the horizon. I feel like yes. the, the flex of 2021 on dating profiles is going to be if you got the vaccine or not. Total exactly. Flex. Exactly. The new the news of 2021 is the vaccine. And I think that's going to change quite a bit of our lives for that year. So yes, we're still looking forward to the new year, but we're very much looking forward to this episode because <laughs> it is our season finale. It's our yearly finale. It's such a, a groundbreaking episode because we've been having this conversation forever. It's, it's all about, can you have it all? Can you have it all? Or do you have to sacrifice a part of your life for another aspect of your life? Like, for example, can you have a very successful career, but you kind of suffer on a personal note? Or can you have a really successful relationship, but suffer maybe professionally? So this is kind of like the question we've all, it's a million dollar question. Mm -hmm. Can you have it all? And our guest for this episode proves that, yes, you fucking can. <laughs> and she's also UA's idol slash UA in a later life. I There's so many like parallels between you two. I'm like, wait, are we hearing from May? May Lee is her name. Yes. Or are we hearing from UA right now? Because I'm very confused at this weird like time warp of the two of you. <laughs> I would be very honored if I were May, you know, like a few years into the future. May is a, a world-renowned journalist. And she's also just a fucking badass woman. She's amazing. <laughs> she's I loved amazing. her because you did her podcast, The May Lee Show. Uh -huh. And you were like, it's all about representing Asian Americans, which is amazing too. Like, was it Asian Americans in media? Is that what it's focused on? Or just Asians. Asians <laughs> and <Yeah>. everywhere. <laughs> Clearly, I sat this one out, but <laughs> I, I remember you, I literally got off the phone with May for the interview and you were like, we need to have her on the podcast. So she is amazing. And I think also like we're like a big part of it too is normalizing being single in your 50s. And I think that's something that's been, I don't know, I mean, <laughs> world renowned wisdom. I saw this thing on TikTok the other day. So oh clearly, my gosh. Julie, <laughs> I don't TikTok. even, I don't even know. I, the, I'm a such a lurker on TikTok. TikTok, <laughs> I don't even do anything. I just lurk on there at night. But that just I, I sounds so even... creepy. I just lurk on TikTok looking at 17-year-olds so dance. Hey, at night. hey, I was not looking at 17-year-olds dance. They dancing. were 18. <laughs> But I, I actually have no idea who said this, so I don't know who to give credit to. But someone was like, okay, like, we have to stop with this, like, self-love for single people, mm. like, that you need to fix yourself in order to have a relationship. And I was like, fuck yeah, like, I feel like we are always talking about self-love. And I do think people should have self-love. And I don't think it's a exclude exclusive for single people or people in relationships. But I do mm -hmm. agree with this premise of, like, you need to love yourself before you can love someone else like I mean to some degree there's some truth in it but it also I feel like you need to be doing that if you're in a relationship and you've been in a relationship since college also like it's yeah, it's, yeah I <laughs> yes that's a very good point because this whole time the propaganda has been you have to love yourself to prep yourself to love yeah. someone, right but why does it have to be in preparation of a relationship why can't you just love yourself for in preparation right. of loving yourself by itself, you know, and it doesn't need to be about making yourself better so that you're more dateable. Yeah. And the reality is you're going to be single or alone at some point of your life, even if you're not single per se. Like my mom, I've been at my parents' house for anyone that's new through the holidays. And my, my dad leaves during the pandemic to go to work. And my mom has been by herself. So it's like, yes, she's in a couple, but you're still 
on your own in some mm-hmm. way. Like you're never with someone 24-7. Like you need to have these skills whether you're in a relationship or not. Yeah. So I guess the end goal is not about getting into a relationship. No. The end goal is finding that relationship with yourself where you care and love who you are. And then you're able to spread that love with other people. Yeah. That's like an after fact. But this yeah. is like, this is what, what this episode is really about because May, she is really put her career as priority for many years. I mean, she, her, I, she had a booming career. She's traveled the world, but not that she's given up relationships. She's also been in a series of long relationships. Mm-hmm. But her home, her whole motto is, I rather be alone and thriving on my own than be with someone who's dragging me down and not letting me blossom and not mm-hmm. motivating me or inspiring me. So this is why she's in her 50s and single. She has not been married or has had kids and no fucking regrets. This is like the question we've always had. We're <laughs> like, am I going to regret this in, you know, in like 20 years, 30 years, whatever it may be when I'm in my fifties and sixties, she's like, no, I had never predicted this. I did not plan yeah. this for myself, but I have no regrets because all the decisions I made in my life were my decisions. I had control over them. Right. Well, that was the whole piece about normalizing being single. That's what made me think of what I, this revelation from TikTok, but it was like, the reason you're single might not be because because there's something broken with you. It's like the reason could be that you've just prioritized other things in your life. Right. And I know for a while for myself, like I feel like I didn't really start like really dating to like like late 20s like of course like through college and like early 20s I had the flings and like just people that came in and boyfriends and whatnot but it wasn't like an active dating because there was so much of just getting like my own career in order moving to a new city building a life like it's not like you can't do it you just haven't like pushed that way Mm -hmm. and that's why our podcast, we have so many listeners who are in relationships, who are married, because dating is not just about being single. Dating is also about being being comfortable with yourself, dating yourself, mm-hmm. and knowing how to take care of yourself. You know, I think that like you were saying, it's, we're not going to be with someone else like 24 seven all the time. And you can't predict the future, but you can only predict that you're going to be with yourself. Right. <laughs> all and I the mean, time. Like, of course, this, I think the like, can you have it all is the million dollar question. But we do also talk in this episode too, about like, this feeling of that you're never, even if you're alone, you're never alone. We actually did a halt. We did a series of holiday happy hours as part of the sounding board this week. And one of our members, Caitlin, she like posted that I guess that was like a quote she had during the happy hour that like with this group, she never feels alone. And I was like, oh, that just brings so, so much sweet. more. Another thing that they did that was just so adorable is apparently went around and like shared all what everyone loved about each other to like build everyone oh my up. But gosh. I was like, this is literally the I'm best crying. group of people ever. That I know. Is- insane. I know. So, <laughs> oh, I love them. But never alone. I think that's really true. And it's like, especially during this pandemic, it has pushed us like a lot of us like I know a lot of people in the group too. like move to a new city, like mm-hmm. that's got to be hard being single. But like you, you can find those people. And I think with me too, it's like, sometimes, you know, I've talked about this. It's like, okay, right now, maybe it's okay to be like single or, you know, not like having children or whatever it is. But will we regret this? In mm-hmm. like 20 years. And I think like hearing her say that, I'm like, first of all, you just can't predict the future. Like I would never have even known nope. that I'd be here today, you know? So it's like- In your parents' basement? <laughs> <laughs> well, I meant doing the podcast, but yes. 
that I could have predicted because I was here 20 years ago. <laughs> Full circle. Full circle. But I think it's like also like it points out too, it's like there's, I, I mean, I love being in relationships. Some of my best times and memories have been in a relationship, but I also love being single. Like I feel mm-hmm. like I have the opportunity to focus on different things. Like I don't, if I honestly, like if I had children, like I do believe you can ha- like have a thriving career and have kids, but I realistically probably wouldn't have the amount of time that I do to put towards this podcast, for instance. And like, you probably wouldn't either. It's just like the reality is like, there's always trade offs with everything. And like, you know, it's not there's no right or wrong. It's kind of like what is working for you and things can change at different times too. And not being tied to some sort of outcome. It's not the whole I need to get married. I need Mm -hmm. to have kids. I need to have this career where I made SVP by the time I'm 35 or whatever these are. These are sort of things that are not in your control, but what Mm -hmm. is in your control is you can say, I want a life where I feel fulfilled, where I feel motivated, inspired, a life where I feel like I'm, I'm loved and that I can give love to other people. I think those are things that are tangible and in your control. And that's sort of May's philosophy. But Mm -hmm. what is even more wonderful about our conversation with May, because we, we, you know, recorded this a few months ago and May recently emailed us <laughs> with an update and she's like, guess what? This is just like the craziest thing because she wasn't looking for relationships. She was kind of like, you know, if it, if it happens, it happens. But Especially I'll, right now. Especially yeah. right now. I'm very happy. She's got two lovely dogs. She's like having a great time. And she went on OkCupid after our conversation because she was curious. And we had talked about how during the pandemic, there was more activity with online mm-hmm. dating and ended up meeting someone. And now they're in a serious relationship. Um, when she emailed this to me, this was in October. They have been together for three months. So it's been five months now. Amazing. <laughs> Incredible. And she's been posting photos of them like cooking together and celebrating together. But it's not something she was like, I must have this in my life. But it's it's wonderful that she was able to find someone. Right. We always say like, if you're in a good place yourself, like you either like are happy, right? <laughs> Even if you don't meet someone or you attract someone at the same energy level because you're in a good place. So I'm sure like that was how it worked for her. And I think this is amazing. I mean, this is what happens when you come on dateable. So <laughs> I know the guests are going to be lining up now for season 12. <laughs> we just Who's unleashed. Next? Next? <laughs> Our inbox becomes flooded tomorrow. <laughs> This We're is the, the way, guys. <laughs> we become the relationship setters. We're just setting yeah. up that ball for you. <laughs> um, yes, exactly. So I, I think what's, you know, this this episode is not about like, hooray, being single, like single people and empowerment, because I'm also sick of that message too. This is about finding a life and creating a life that where you feel fulfilled. And that doesn't need to be tied to these outcomes that society tells you about. It's about what you create for yourself. You know what I'm so sick of? Can I just rant for (laughs) one second? Like, I hate that. Why do we even have to call like single people and people in relationships? Like, why Mm. does there have to even be this divide? I just want to be friends with people regardless of their relationship status. Like, I want people to just view me as a person regardless of mine. Like, why does this even have to define us in any way? You know, like, it's it pisses 
pisses me off. And I feel like that's like what makes things like the way they are because we have these like binary ways of like, you know, like segregating us essentially. Well, that's how the media can sell their TV shows <laughs> and their movies. That's how these um, brands can sell their services and their products because there has to be a divide and there has to be a me versus you. But I agree. And that's why I love this community we created with Datable. My friend Drea, who you know, Drea, mm -hmm. uh, said the, the other day, because she, she's now in a relationship with someone who's on our podcast Past before. <laughs> we might, may or may not have them at some future time. We've got to have them back. And she said, I didn't know that the Facebook group was for people in relationships too. I'm like, it's for everyone. Anybody yeah. who cares about love is for everyone. And she also felt that divide, in, you know, from the way she was mm -hmm. talking about it. It was like, oh, I thought it was for single people only. No, we don't want to live in a world like that where it's like, oh, it's for these these sort of people only. No, it's for everyone. For mm -hmm. everyone. Love transcends everybody. Right. And if you, <laughs> I'm like, how do I segue this? Are, you, we... are you segueing to merch? Is yeah, I am. <laughs> I am. I was like... <laughs> And if you it's love like, whether it's like, well, I was gonna say whether you're in a relationship or not. You know, one of my uh, best friend, one of our best friends, she bought a uh, master dating, and she has been married for like ten years and has a child. <laughs> so, no, I don't think she's actually been married for ten years, but she's been with her significant she's, other yes, for been like ten for years. Yes. But she's she you know she bought that dateable cup and uh, master dating mug. So, you know, <laughs> but I think quarantine for fuckboys, regardless if you're taken single whatever i don't want to use these words anymore but everyone could be quarantined for fuckers <laughs> i love that my friend bought why 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 he's married but he is like i just love a, that sweatshirt that says why 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 because he can take all his zoom meetings and if someone asks him a question he'll just show them the sweatshirt he doesn't need to say i anything. never even thought about that but <laughs> so another reason we are going because we are finally leaving 2020 we finally. are going to be doing a blowout sale to kind yes. of end some of our merch that is going to get discontinued in 2020 so if there's something you've been eyeing for a bit this is the time to get it we will be giving a 21 percent discount that's right for 2021 <laughs> get it get it so the discount code is going to be shop 21 so definitely um make sure you get on it and get that merch before it goes out so you could be dateable regardless of your relationship status there you go 21 percent off it's a lot that's quite a lot a lot more yeah than this 20%. is on on our black it's even more than one percent beyond our black friday sale, there you so. go our biggest <laughs> sale ever <laughs> how they always sell you and the then our, <laughs> our other quick announcement i think just one thing to clarify just we have the facebook group love in the time of corona facebook group that is free and if you we do ask, though, that you give us a little blurb about yourself, and just because we want to make sure you're a real person. We don't know who's listening all mm. the time. And we, we it's a safe space. So we want to make sure that people that are legit and not just randoms on the internet are coming in. So if you have been not approved, and this was a mistake, it is not because we don't love you. It's because you did not give us enough information. So come back, fill out that information, and you can come in. And then we also have the sounding board group, which is our premium community. And that's where all the magic happens. That's where we have the happy hours, the podcast discussion groups. We also have the audio series available. That's a special uh, audio series just for for sounding board members and there's a discussion group we just or the December episode we released 
is about navigating ambiguity, which Mm -hmm. honestly could not be coming at a better time. And let's be honest, there's still going to be ambiguity coming into January. So the beauty too is even if you join now, you get the episodes from uh, November and December, which will be automatically delivered to your Apple podcast feed. So if you're not a member of the sounding board yet, you can go to datablepodcast.com slash sounding board. So definitely want to get on it. We have so many good things for 2021. Wow, it has a good ring to it. 2021. 2021. There you go. And uh, I know that we want to get to this episode, but it's our last episode for the year. So we're going to talk a bit longer. Okay, fuck <laughs> it. We're going to do it because we got to talk about the would you rather question from last yeah. week. It was all around honesty because our episode with Jared Freed was about why is it so hard to be honest when it comes to dating and relationships and how can we just be more honest with other people and ourselves. So the would you rather was if you are dating someone and you're really into them and they decide that they wanted to pursue someone else that they've been seeing, would you rather hear a, the truth, or would you rather hear them say, I'm just not in a place to date right now? Mm. And, uh, this is the first time where the results (laughs) on Facebook and in our Instagram were the exact same. Wow. So everyone was on the same page. But I'm you know, curious. I purposely <laughs> don't look because I want to make sure that I uh, yes. am staying unbiased. You know, I think it might depend when it is in the relationship. Like mm. when it is. Like if I've literally had like one video date from them, I don't need that much honesty. Like if I don't even know them at all. But if I've been dating them for a bit and they, I would much rather just hear that there is someone else, even though that might hurt. I've hit, I've definitely been here before. I've been here on the receiving end and the giving end. So the receiving end, one of like my first, I would say relationships, I'm kind of air quoting because it was never like fully official. It was like, you know, one of those situationships, but it was like six months ish. And I was really crazy about this guy. Like I really liked him. I don't even know if I've ever told you about him, UA, because he way far um, was before you and I met. Oh, it was before but... my time? Oh. <laughs> Way before your time. Okay, he doesn't <laughs> this exist. <was> like... <laughs> In my mind, he does not exist. This was like right when I moved to, there was this guy, I was like really into this guy. We met on Match.com. That's how outdated it is. And anyways, um, we had the six months. It was like kind of like on his terms type of thing. And I finally got the courage to like put it all out there. And be Mm -hmm. like, I really want to date you. Like, I'm really like into you. And he basically was like, you know, like, I like, he was basically like, oh, like, I really like you. But like, I I just haven't had a relationship since I was like in college. I'm not really like looking Mm. for a relationship. I'm not a relationship type of guy, blah, blah, blah. So I was like, okay. And I still, of course, had that like glimmer of hope. And then what do I see? Like a month later is like a photo with him. And a girl at House of Prime Rib, oh, which is like fuck, <laughs> a House of Prime Rib, House of Prime Rib. So it's clearly not that just like you know, a, a, oh. yeah. So for anyone not at SF, it's like this really like institutional restaurant. You don't just go there with a random no. person. It was you don't like take his, a Tinder date. It was there. his birthday, and she oh. like got him the like. It was clearly they were dating. Okay, this was like a month later. So I'm like, obviously there was an overlap, you know, like the whole thing. And I just remember seeing this photo on Facebook, and like my heart like just sunk seeing that because I'm like, 
I, here's me like still holding out hope for this dude. It would have been so much better if he was just like, hey, like I met someone else that I really click with, you know, like, it, yeah. So anyways, oh, that was that's harsh. heartbreaking. I have also been on the other side where I had a stalker. I don't know if I've ever even shared this with you either. This was also oh before my your gosh, time. Why are you telling me all this now? All this new information. <laughs> I feel like I repressed some of it. But I had this guy that just like wouldn't – like we slept together once and it was like he was just – it was like all on and I was like not interested at all it just was not good there were other reasons even before sleeping together it just wasn't a fit and I made the mistake of not being honest and telling him that I was in a relationship like I met someone else which was not true I was not in a relationship and he didn't stop bothering me he was just like well I'm sure it will end soon and I'll be here it was just like constantly like Mm. there and it just eventually I had to be like like even if I'm not in a relationship like I don't want to be with you like it was like it had to be so honest so Mm. i should have just been honest from day one so both of these are a very long-winded way of saying i would definitely choose the honesty because it's bit me in the butt both times from both directions you know it's um so you're in a majority 95 percent of people chose honesty and five percent chose the little white lie (laughs) my problem with the statement of um, I'm just not in a place to date right now is that it doesn't c- close the door no, completely. Exactly. And that, exactly. and that's really hurt me in the past mm-hmm. where someone said that to me or have said something along the lines of that. And then I just think then it becomes the waiting game for me. Mm-hmm. I'm like, Oh, so not right now as in today, but maybe tomorrow. And then I start creating excuses for them. Like, Oh, because they're going through transition at yep. work or yep. it's because they're doing this and they're dealing with family. But once this whole thing blows over, they're going to be ready for a relationship. What they're really trying to say is I'm not in a place to date you. <laughs> it's, not, it's, not about, it's not about their own timing. And even if they aren't, like, I think I've learned this the hard way too. It's like, it almost doesn't matter what the reason is. Yeah, like the reality is they're not. And like, you kind of do have to cut that cord. And like, if it truly is meant to be, you'll find your way back at some point, but you can't be there like literally having that glimmer of hope that things are going to change or you just never meet anyone else. I mean, I've learned that by far the hard way. Absolutely. And in my experience and in all of our interviews with our guests and listening to our um, Facebook group, you kind of want to find a way to close the door. Oh, yeah. I think I think to. this is like the cardinal rule of dating. Close that damn door. <laughs> if that door is still left a little bit open, just a little crack, you're always going to oh. hope that it just fully opens for some magical reason. And the same thing in the in the reverse is that you always want to close the door with people you're mm-hmm. not interested in either. Like why string them along? There is really no, no. need. And karma is a bitch. If you if you string someone else along, you're going to get strung along. Yeah. No, I mean that situation I told you with that guy that like kept hitting me up even though I said I was in a relationship, mm-hmm. like he wasn't giving up and it was just bad on both fronts like I should have said it but do you know how the other guy finally closed the door I mean outside of this photo of program this is so fucked up you're gonna die so I think he sent me an email and was like hey like I have a friend that I want to set you (gasps) up with like do you guys do you want a double date and I was like okay we've like slept together multiple times like this is weird and I mean like I who knows I could have missed out on my soulmate but it was still (laughs) it was too weird for me I was like no what yeah. the fuck? You're like, so is he cute? <laughs> so 
so all these years later, is he still single? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. what's his deal now? <laughs> wow, that's like kick you while you're down. Holy I know. shit. Like, I, I wasn't even over it. And then he's like, like, sends me the email, my glimmer of hope. He's back. And then he's like, I have someone to set you up with. I'm like, oh, uh, how could it get even worse? <laughs> oh, that is the worst feeling because afterwards you feel like a fucking fool. Yeah. I hate that feeling in, in, when, when it comes to dating. It's like feeling like a fool after yes. the fact. And you're yes. like, oh, why couldn't I see? I saw all the signs. Why didn't I act on it? It's just, it makes you feel dumb. I hate that feeling. But I think his was coming from guilt. But we could go into a whole scenario <laughs> another day. We need to get to Bailey. So we'll pause it for now that is like a whole unpacking in itself (laughs) let's unpack that for the new year for sure okay (laughs) but yes let's take a break right now for a special message from our sponsor better help for the new year what are some things you like to change in your life to find more happiness what do you think is preventing you from achieving your goals well, the simple answer is prioritizing your mental health. We at Dateable, Julie and I are huge fans of therapy and BetterHelp can match you with your own licensed therapist and connect you in a safe and private online environment. I was able to start communicating with my therapist in less than 48 hours. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches and it's more affordable than traditional offline counseling. Their licensed professionals specialize in everything from stress, New Year's resolutions, anxiety, trauma, depression, and grief. And for the new year, we wish for all of you to live a happier, healthier life. That's why as a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com slash dateable. Join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp.com slash dateable, D-A-T-E-A-B-L-E. Okay, now let's get to the one and only May Lee. You know, there is a huge difference between being alone and being lonely. And Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people, especially during this time, are alone. They're living alone. They're single. They're by themselves. But that is a more of a physical factor as opposed to a mentality. So I think for this episode, we we want to decipher Mm -hmm. the difference between what is alone and what is being lonely. So May, my girl crush, um, <laughs> as I start to blush here, it was such it was so fun being on your show talking about dating dur- during this time. And at the end of that uh, end of your show, we started talking about your love life. And it's just to me, it just I called Julie right away. I was like, okay, we need to talk about this with May right now. You're building um, it up way too much. Now everybody's going to be like, oh my God, she must have a salacious love life. <laughs> Ooh, well, they're not wrong. <laughs> A little background information on who is May Lee. She lives in Long Beach, originally from Ohio. She's 54 years old, currently pretty single, taking a dating sabbatical. And we want to really dive into the choices that she's made as an independent single woman. But before we get to the present, May Lee, let's just go back a little bit. Let's go back to when you were 25 years old. Give us a snapshot of your life, especially your love life at 25 years old. That's actually a good place to start, Yue. It's it's almost yeah. like you kind of knew, but um, <laughs> I don't know how you would have known. Um, at 25, I was already uh, kind of starting my broadcast career as a news journalist. And at that time, I had coincidentally gone back to my hometown, Dayton, Ohio, to work as a reporter anchor for a local news uh, station. 
And, um, you know, life was going okay. And I actually was dating somebody pretty seriously at the time. And he, yeah, I was 25. At 26, I was then given an opportunity to go overseas for the first time as an international correspondent. And that was, that came out of the blue. And this guy, funnily enough, you guys, this is weird. I literally got a text message from him about 20 minutes ago. Oh my God, no. he knew. He knew we were going to be doing this. What? <laughs> now, he's on and off kept in touch with me a little bit, you know, but again, this is 30 years ago, right? Wow. Is what, what does he want? Um, he just wants to keep in touch. Exes are coming out of the woodwork right now. This is like <laughs> yeah. the time. Anyway, you were on my show that during the height of COVID, um, I had four exes contact me in a span yep. of two weeks of over four decades of my wow. life, 30s, 40s, 50s. It was, it's, it was just Damn. hilarious. This guy was from my 20s. And so the reason I say this is because when I was, uh, when I accepted this job to go to Japan, he was so desperate to keep a hold of me somehow uh, that he had gone out and bought a ring. <gasps> and apparently he was going to propose to me like two nights before I was literally going to get <gasps> on the plane and move to Tokyo, Japan. Wait, were you guys like broken up at this time or were you no, still no, going to we keep it going? You were going to try to keep it going, but you know, I mean, at my, at that stage of my life and career, I was kind of already looking ahead saying, man, what's going to happen? So the last thing I was thinking about was getting engaged and having a long distance engagement. Well, he had other ideas. And so he had bought, he had literally bought a ring. He had this night planned out and then we got into a huge fight before the night even came. Oh, Almost as if the universe stepped in and was like, nope, this ain't Nope, don't happen. do it. Don't do it. <laughs> Wait, how did you know he had a ring? He did told he me later. You, he told you like immediately after or a few no, years No, it wasn't after. immediately after. It was actually when I arrived in Tokyo and he had told me over the phone wow. that that was his plan. Oh my gosh. Proposed to me. Were you guys now, together at that time or had you broken we were, up? Okay. We were. We, it was a big fight and it was obviously a lot of tension because I was about to move overseas like thousands and thousands of miles away. Uh, and so I can't even remember what the fight was about, but I know stress related. Um, and so we tried to keep it going. I mean, in the back of my head, I knew it wasn't going to work. Like mm-hmm. my life was just getting started, and my career was about to take off. But we did try to keep it together. He even visited me in Tokyo. Oh, you know, really? Like, oh yeah, he came and visited, and the guy had never been to Asia. You know, so um, so we made a valiant effort. But I knew that it wasn't going to go anywhere, and it, it eventually fizzled. Um, but you know, he said many, many, many years later that he always carried a torch for me. Hmm. Uh, well, obviously, yeah. I mean, obviously. he texted <laughs> 20 minutes ago. I feel, yeah. Like 25, though, it is such a pivotal point of your life. Like yeah. you're really just getting off the ground. So I totally can see why you weren't like dying to get into marriage, right? <laughs> I wasn't even close to the idea of it, really. I mean, Julia, at, th- at that point, I could see my career starting to develop and I was on a trajectory. And I was one of those women who was very focused uh, on what I wanted in my career and what sort of sights I had set, um, you know, on myself to kind of achieve in my career. And so given this opportunity, I mean, can you imagine? I was just so laser focused that 
I, you know, as a young woman, and I know a lot of young people think this now too, you kind of put everything else to the side thinking you're going to have plenty of time, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Hey, I have got plenty of time to get to that. I'm going to focus on this now. And that's, that's the choice I made. Mm-hmm. Right? And how long were you guys dating? I think it was probably about two years or so, two and a half years. And did you ever play back? Like, what if you actually did propose? What would you have said? I, I definitely played it back. I definitely played <laughs> it back. Um, I would have said no. Right. Oh, really? yeah, you would have oh, said I, no. Wow. Yeah, and I knew I would have said no. There's no way I would have said yes. Wait, you wait, were you 25 too? Yeah. <laughs> 25 is, you know, it's that quarter life crisis. Same thing. I quit my corporate career. I was living in Manhattan, living with my boyfriend. And he was, he actually did propose New Year's Eve. And my first reaction was, I, I, like literally just felt sick to my stomach. <laughs> and I said, I'm, I'm not ready. And then he tried to propose again the next morning. Oh, and wow. he left said, off in Times Square. That could have also been part of it on New Year's Eve. Oh, yeah. Like amongst all the other people. <laughs> and also I drank myself to death that night too. I mean, oh I was my like, God. I was obliterated. I couldn't even see him. I couldn't see his face. I was so, I was so drunk out of my mind. But <laughs> He, all I could see was just like sparkly thing in my face. He kept like just, just showing this thing. I couldn't even like, is he proposing right now? Am I dreaming? Like, is this a rave or is this a ring? But the next morning, what was really awkward was that his parents called because they knew that he had planned to propose. So they called to, to congratulate us. Oh no. He had to explain to them that, that he had to send the ring back. This is like a bad rom-com movie, right? It was yeah. it was the it was not the rom or the com. It was <laughs> it was the opposite of any rom com. But I get what you're saying though. It's at 25, but also I don't know if you felt this way. And Julie, we've talked about this. At 25, you felt like you got everything kind of figured out. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I got this. Yeah, my career is on this path. That I don't need this. I'm gonna get this. Like I felt like. I knew what I was going to do with my life. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've shared with you, UA, but like when I was 25, I moved from Boston to San Francisco. So again, it was a similar like quarter life, big change. I think 25, there's something about that, that you're not like right out of school starting Mm -hmm. your career and you've been going a few years and you're like, I need something big. Like I need a big change, like to like shake it all up. But I know my mindset when it came to relationships, like I was not even thinking about it. Like I literally Mm -hmm. was establishing a new life for myself. Like I would meet guys and like hook up, like go out to bars and stuff. But dating, like that was not in my repertoire at all. No. No. I mean, I was I was always a serial monogamous though, mm. so I was never a big dater ever, and okay. I was a late bloomer too uh, because I sort of grew up your typical Asian kid who was sort of restricted in so many ways by my parents that I didn't even get a chance to even try to date when I was younger, uh, and then I went away to boarding school, you know, and that kind of didn't really allow me to date much because. I was like the only Asian girl and these preppy white guys, you know, they didn't (laughs) like me. Um, So, you know, I mean, I'm just being very frank about it. So it really happened later for me. And, you know, and then when I got to that stage, I was already, you know, thinking about my career. So Mm. again, you know, here's the thing I always want to tell younger women is that, you know, you're told you can have it all, but what, what they don't tell you is you can't have it all at once. Right. So you do have to make choices that yeah. sometimes be very tough. But at 25, 
you think, oh, I have time. I got all the time mm -hmm. in the world. So I can focus on this and I'll get to that and I'll have kids. And my whole thing, and I know a lot of people do this as well, I put goals, like I, I associated my age with a goal. Mm -hmm. right? So I said at the of age of 30, I'm going to be a network anchor and I will have found a man and then I'll start thinking about having kids into my 30s. You know, so I set these goals, but life doesn't work that way. You know, I mean, you can't plan things and think they're going to work out, you know, exactly the way that you want. Well, it sets us up for disappointment, too, because I feel oh, like absolutely. that's like the biggest challenge is your expectations aren't met, because I think I would go on a gamble that the majority of women think the way that you just said. I know I certainly do. Yeah. Or did. Yeah. I'm trying to get off of that. But yes, did. <laughs> <laughs> but the question is, is it timing? Is it life stage? Or is it the guy? Like, let's say that guy was the per I mean, what if there was this notion that that guy was perfect for you? And he would have moved to Tokyo with you and you started a life there? I mean, is there... Yeah. No, I mean, I, who doesn't think about like past relationships in terms of like doing an analysis, right? And I got to tell you guys, I have definitely tried to take inventory, right? <laughs> in my, from my past relationships, just try and ask myself, yeah, the what ifs maybe, but more so like, is, is it something that I ch made the right choice or is it something that, you know, distracted me mm -hmm. from something that could have potentially been good. And instead I, you know, was so narrow focused or something, you know, narrow minded. So for instance, this guy, you know, there was nothing wrong with him. There's absolutely, he was, a, he still is a sweet, sweet guy. And do I think back? Yeah, I probably could have built a, you know, a good life with him. I mean, but who knows, right? Mm -hmm. But if I had made that choice, I'm not sure if I would have done what I've done with my life up to now um, in mm. terms of traveling the world and worked at all these different locations because who's going to want to keep up with that? Right. A very patient That's person. True. I feel like you two have a very similar <laughs> I, I know. That's why I told you, Julie, I was like, May's my spirit animal. She really is. <laughs> I was like, is this UA or May's story? I can't even tell right learning, now. I'm learning so much. Yeah. So where were you then at 35? Like, let's yeah. go to 35. Oh, wow. Okay. Let me, let me uh, wind up the clock here. So, <laughs> okay. So I say 28, I joined CNN in Tokyo. Then at 30, I was at CNN in Hong Kong. Then at thir okay, by the t age of 35, I joined Oxygen Media, which was the women's network mm -hmm. that Oprah Winfrey had launched yeah. in 2000. And I was living in Manhattan. And I'm telling you, I felt like Carrie Bradshaw <laughs> living, you know, the life in New York, very glamorous, you know. And of course, because we were at, we were all working for Oprah and Oxygen, it was the most amazing job. I think it was probably the most fun I've had at a job, um, mm. sort of the most creative lifestyle I've had. Unfortunately, though, a year later, uh, it was 9-11. Mm. Everything changed. So, so yeah, so I was there for 9-11. I was covering it. I lost a friend in 9-11. So it was a really weird time, and I was in my mid-30s. And because of that, of course, I start, I, I was thinking TikTok. You know, my biological mm -hmm. clock is I thought of the app first. Yeah. I was like, TikTok <laughs> oh, existed? I, too. I was like, wait, wait, this is taking a turn. Okay. 
You know, you know when you break out to dance, yeah. When, when you're unsure about your life, get on TikTok. Oh my god! No, I haven't gone there, ladies. I think I'm a fool for TikTok. Oh no, no, no! no. We, like, we talk about yeah. the same thing. Um, but yeah, so at that time. You know, when you're in your mid-30s, of course, that's when you start really thinking, oh boy, you know, I better start thinking about whether or not I'm going to have a family. And if so, I better find the guy who, you know, is going to be a good father and blah, blah, blah. But I think I still was at that stage where my career was, I was doing so well. Mm -hmm. And I I hope your listeners and viewers aren't saying now, God, she sounds like a total selfish bitch here. No. That Mm -hmm. wasn't it. I was so... I felt so called to be this journalist and and I was living out this really strong purpose. And clearly after 30 plus years of doing it, I'm still doing it. So I I answered the right call for Mm -hmm. what I was meant to do while on this earth. And so that was such a driving force for me that I think everything else sort of revolved around, you know, that aspect of my life. Let's hold that thought for a second. We'll get right back to it. And we want to thank another sponsor, Magic Spoon. I really love that the current trend is all about healthy eating. For one, cutting down on carbs and sugar has been especially difficult for me because I didn't realize there was so much of that in basically everything that I love, particularly in cereal. So when I heard about a magic cereal with zero sugar, 11 grams of protein, and only three net grams of carbs in each serving, I was like, um, sold. Y'all, this is not magic. This is Magic Spoon, a line of delicious tasting cereal that is almost too good to be true. And it's all keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, low-carb, GMO-free, and frankly, guilt-free. Check out magicspoon.com slash datable to grab a variety pack and try it today. And be sure to use the promo code datable at checkout to get free shipping. And Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money. No questions asked. That's magicspoon.com slash datable and use the code D-A-T-E-A-B-L-E for free shipping. All right, let's get back to this episode. I don't think that people are going to think you're selfish at all. I think a lot of people, myself included, can really relate to that. And I think that's why a lot of people are having relationships and settling down Mm -hmm. and having children later and later because a lot of people are putting their career first. So I don't think it comes off that way at all. Okay. But don't you feel like, I guess when I feel like I'm at the height of my career, that's when I really would like a partner to Mm -hmm. share that life and share that experience with. I don't know if you, if you two feel that way too. You know what? That's, I think that's a really, really good point, UA, because there have been moments in my life where I have reached, uh, you know, an extraordinary goal in my career and I'm flying high. And yeah, I do feel like, wow, it sure would be nice to share this euphoria that I have and, you know, this experience that I'm going through or this incredible interview that I just did with somebody or the Mm -hmm. show that I just did. And yeah, I mean, I do feel like that's what a partnership should be is the sharing of achievement and excitement and joy uh, together. Um, Doing it alone is fine. You know, I mean, I've, I've gotten very good at it. But when you can share that excitement with another human being who su- supports what you're doing and how you're doing it and can share in that, you know, celebration, I mean, then it doubles that feeling of, you know, gratitude. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. I think I just don't think about it sometimes that way, I guess. Like, especially, I don't know, I'm thinking about even like right this minute, like we're doing a lot of stuff with Datable, like I'm very motivated by it, very passionate about it, and I'm currently single. And then sometimes I'm like, oh my God, I have to take the time to like get on dating apps and like make it a mm-hmm. priority. I think sometimes when your career is really just like wildly going up and you have a lot happening, it's hard to make that time, especially if you're like traveling or doing appearances, like I could see how it could go to the sidelines, even if it was something that you wanted very easily. Ladies, let's talk about this, which (laughs) has not changed still, is that when men meet a successful woman who is high powered or high profile, they at first say, oh, isn't it great? I'm so attracted to women like that. It's, you know, I think it's great. And then it fizzles because they actually can't handle it. A lot of them, mm-hmm. listen, I'm only speaking from my own yeah. experience. It happen, has happened many times where at first they claim that they think it's attractive um, and then they get a, a reality uh, check and a dose of what it's really like to be with someone Mm -hmm. like that. And they're like, no, I'd rather take the wallflower or something. So yes, you're never there. You're doing stuff all the time. It's just, it's an ego thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. An ego thing. Right. And I think we still live in a patriarchal society to a certain extent where, you know, women with more power is still unusual. It's right. getting better, yeah. but it's definitely still there. Won't say yeah. it's well, like gone I also, forever. <laughs> I also think a lot of people want to date the Instagram you and not the real life you. They mm, see yeah. the highs only and they think that's very attractive, but they don't know how all the hard work you have to put into behind the scenes. Right. Like for us, dateable takes a, up a lot of time. That takes yeah. away from my time with my boyfriend. I have to be with a partner who understands that, right. who can also understand the benefits, but also there are certain lows to this industry too that are not pretty and they have to accept you during that time too. Yeah. Yeah. I know. So needle in a haystack. So 35, <laughs> were you like dating or were you just not really dating a time? Uh, no, I actually got into a serious relationship okay. at 35. Um uh, no, I'm sorry. I got out of a serious relationship that I, uh, with somebody I met in Hong Kong, and this is the guy who absolutely shattered my heart in a million pieces. Uh, this is a watch story that I told you about, UA. Yes. I had told UA on my show that this guy had bought me a watch uh, when we were dating. He he was American, living in Hong Kong like me, and um, I uh, after he shattered my heart in a million pieces. Uh, I can say that over and over again. Um, I, I couldn't I couldn't even bear the thought of having the watch in my possession. I wasn't even wearing it. I just couldn't even have it in my house. So I took it to a watch store to sell it. And this wise old man talked me out of it. And he comforted me as I was bawling in his store to tell me, it's okay, honey, it's going to get better. Just put it away for as long as you need to. And someday it's not going to hurt anymore. And he was right. It took a couple of years. And then I pulled it out one day and I was like, I think I can wear this. Uh, and I still have it. So, so that was the relationship that really broke my heart. It did me some serious damage for many, many years, you guys. Um, and then I moved to New York and um, I was dating in New York actually. And I, I dated a couple people for, you know, a couple months at a time, but I actually, while I was in New York, no, I didn't actually date anyone long term. Can I ask why it ended? 
if you're willing yeah, to share. Uh, oh, yeah. No, no, no. I'll tell. I think this will break people's hearts, actually. Um, he wasn't ready, even though we had dated for three years. And it was probably the best time I've ever had in a relationship. Um, mm-hmm. And, it, you know, laughed every day. We would go on adventures. I mean, he, he just made me, you know, very happy every day because of the laughter. That was really important to me. But he wasn't there yet. He still wanted to go on adventures and go climb mountains and like be this mm-hmm. little boy. So mm-hmm. he wasn't at that stage. And so I had to finally call it because I couldn't hang on much longer because I was thinking about moving to New York at the time mm-hmm. and, you know, come, was he not? And finally I, I saw that he wasn't going to do it. And so I broke it off, moved to New York. We tried to continue. He wouldn't let go. So he wanted his cake and eat it too. Of he course. didn't want to let go, but he didn't want to commit. I feel like I've heard that story and been in that story so many times. But here's the sad part. So I think I was so crushed by this, the loss of this relationship, that for years, you guys, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't release it. I couldn't release it. And then several years later, I found out that... Um, he, w- he was getting married. Oh, and I when I got that phone call from my girlfriend who knew that I was oh. going to be devastated. Oh my God. Uh, she literally just goes, um, May, um, I have something to tell you. And I'm going, what's the matter? I thought she was going to tell me somebody died, right? Right. She's like it's, it's, and I'll say his name. It doesn't matter. Dana. And she's like, um, he, uh, he just got engaged. And I, oh. I think I dropped the phone. And thank God for girlfriends. They rallied around me that night, took me to a bar and got me completely shit faced. Um, Good for them. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. Thank God for girlfriends. Oh my That's God. Awful moment. But here's the topper. Before he got married, this is long before he met this woman. And this was after we broke up. I was still so heartbroken that I actually at one point asked him to marry me. <gasps> oh, yeah. He said you, no. Never gotten, he said no. Oh, what? And what? Okay, Isn't that so amazing? He, and did he just say that he wasn't ready? He said he just, he said, I adore you and I love you, but I don't, I don't think I can marry you. But he wouldn't <gasps> let it go for so many years too. Yeah. But I know now, of course, I mean, I figured it out um, afterwards and then he got married. And then I actually ended up meeting the woman accidentally after they were married and had a kid. Oh and my I, God. And I then understood it all came together for me. And it's exactly what I was saying to you guys. He, I think he admired me for all of my achievements and who I was. And at that time I was a big CNN anchor, you know, when he met me in Hong Mm -hmm. Kong, all of that. And, but he knew that he didn't want to marry a woman like me, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? He wanted to marry a woman that was more like his mother. And Mm -hmm. I know that sounds like your stereotypical kind of like, you know, sort of uh, action that like a lot of men take, but it was true. I knew his mother and his father really well, and she, she was the sweetest, kindest, loveliest woman mm-hmm. who was a wonderful mother. And I know that's what he wanted. Mm. And he see that in me in terms of like being the woman who could all of a sudden drop everything and stay home and be maternal and, you know, and a good wife and all of that. So I got, I understood it. 
it, I mean, it didn't help ease the pain at all, but I, I, I eventually understood it. So you said this was right before you turned 35. When did, like, how old were you when he got married or like engaged? Oh, I think, oh, I think he got, uh, let's see, I must have been then like 38. This is like a couple 39. of years went by. I mean, you guys, I, we dated for three years and then it was probably, I'm not, I'm not kidding. It was probably another seven years where I still harbored feelings for him. Uh, oh I've been gosh. there. I totally get it. <laughs> I was dating other people, but he was like the standard. And that's, that's not a healthy thing, right? Because you're all here, but that's, yeah, I suffered for a while. That's like where I was at 35. I feel like. Really? (laughs) Yeah. I feel like at 35, I like said goodbye to that, like heart wrenching breakup. Like it was over, I think it was like a couple years or a year before that I was in therapy, like I was not dating at all. And then of course, like as I'm trying to get over it, he comes back into the picture to like give it another try and all the stuff has changed. So I remember it was like right before, like basically right before my 35th birthday, I remember he was like, I can't do this again. Like I can't commit, even though he was the one that came back and all this. And at that point, like it broke me again. But then in 35, I remember like I was actually doing really well after that. I remember I was like my healthiest I've ever been. Like I was just like very fit, like eating really healthy. So I was just like feeling good overall. And then I ended up meeting someone really great after that. And I think finally like releasing him actually helped with that. But then of course, (laughs) you people on the podcast have heard this, but into that relationship, my newer boyfriend lost his visa and had to go back to the UK. So it was unfortunate in 35, but I think I was able to like see someone else in the picture again. So that was like a benefit for me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I always think that whenever I was down about, you know, that not working out, eventually I got to the place where, you know, at least I've, I feel like I have really felt deep love for somebody. Right. Mm -hmm. That's how I felt. Yeah. I do. I do now look back on it very fondly. Um, Mm -hmm. And girls, you're lucky, man. This story that I just told you about proposing, not, I mean, not a whole hell of a lot of people know this story. In fact, fact, well, now, now more people are going to know it. (laughs) But in fact, I wrote a book. I was asked to write a book many years ago in 2008, and they wanted me to write about my career and all that stuff. And so they assign, the publisher assigns you an editor that will work with you, mm-hmm. you know, just to make sure that everything's okay. And this woman was great. She was a very good editor. And so I actually had put in my manuscript that story. Oh, my gosh. Proposing. And she says to me, she's like, May... I don't think you need to put this in the book. What? Why? Yeah. She's like, I think this is a little bit too much. It's a little too personal. Are you sure you want to put it in the book? And I'm grateful that she told me that because it was too, I think I was still processing Mm. it. Right now, years later. It's healthy for me to put it in the book at that time. Right. For sure. Yeah. And so it was good advice on her part because I'm so glad I didn't. Now I can talk about it and it's no big deal. Right. When you're too Um, in it, it's hard. Yeah. Yue, where were you at 35? Was that when you moved to SF? Um, Gosh, (laughs) a little bit after I moved to SF. I don't know. At 35, I just remember having a moment of like, this is not where I expected myself to be at 35. Yeah. Right? For sure. I guess we can rewind back to when we were 25. At 25, I thought, oh, by 35, I'll definitely be married with kids. You know, it's like, it's just, it comes with a package. 
And then at 35, I'm sitting in my studio in San Francisco and looking out the window and thinking, I'm 35. This is not where I thought I'd be. And I, not that I wasn't okay with it. It was just kind of like a, a, this wake up call. Like, well, what, what should I be doing right now? Yeah. I was feeling just a tad bit lost. But I guess for those 10 years between 25, 35, my life was so defined by the men in my life. It was, I didn't feel like I was a liberated, independent woman. I felt like each, every couple years, there would be some guy that I was clinging on to and my identity was somehow linked to him. Because when <laughs> I look back from 25 to 35, it was like, instead of milestones, they're guys, you know, mm. it was the era of this guy and the era of this guy. But I think at 35 was when, when I really liberated myself from identifying with someone else. Interesting. I remember at 35, I was dreading that birthday so much for the same reason mm. that like you said, like I wasn't where I was going to be. I think 30, there was this expectation like, oh, now I'll finally have a relationship and all of that. And then, like I mentioned, I actually did meet someone that I thought was going to be that person. And then it mm -hmm. didn't end up working out. So like at like, I think we broke up when I was like 32-ish. And then like 33, I went through like this, like, you know, just hellish year of not being over him, but not being with him at the same time. And I remember when 35 rolled around, I was just like, uh, where did the last couple of years go? Because I wasn't wow. like actively dating in that time. And I remember going to Vegas with a couple of friends because I'm like, I need to like take my mind off of mm -hmm. this. And I remember at midnight on my 35th birthday, I got an email from like an insurance carrier being like, <laughs> we, we've increased you to the next bucket. Like, so your premium has gone up. I'm like, they couldn't freaking oh, no. wait to like, you know, the Vicious. next day or something. <laughs> What the hell? They're, oh, man, that's rude. Rude. Uh, I was so sued. And I was like, oh, rude. someone texted me. Oh, nope, it's the insurance carrier. Insurance company. That's a rom-com right there. But isn't it? Okay, so May, when, when you talked about these two circumstances when you were 25, 35, they're still very much based around the idea of marriage, right? Yeah. If you think about it, right? So yes. like both of these con conflicts, I guess, in a way, are based on the outcome of marriage. Right. So at what point did you remove marriage out of the equation? Oh, that came much later. I mean, mm. because I think I was still in, in your 30s, you're still thinking marriage is possible and kids, mm -hmm. right? Because that's like physically still possible. <laughs> Let's get down to it, right? Yeah. Um, so I think that was always something that was, you know, here's the thing. And I really, I'm glad we're talking about this because I think women, girls, women, we're still programmed right, by society to think that marriage and children are still something we're supposed to do, mm -hmm. right? Absolutely. And, and if we don't do it, what do you mean you, you're not married and you've never been, what do you mean you don't have kids? Did you not want them? I mean, you know, you're always, mm -hmm. you're always questioned about that decision um, as if it, it's like such a mistake to do that because it's our job, you know, it's mm -hmm. our, we've been appointed as women to have children and, and get married. So I think I was programmed, certainly, mm -hmm. to think that way. And I just assumed it would happen. So anytime I was in a serious relationship, of course, I'm going to think, oh, you know, could this be the guy that I'm going to finally marry? Mm -hmm. Right. Now, with the, the guy who broke my heart, I mean, I really did want to be with him. Um, but clearly, you know, it didn't work out. So, yeah. So I think that was always part of the thinking mm -hmm. for me. 
again, because of the programming and not saying that I didn't want it too. I think I wanted it. The kid thing, I think I was putting that off because I knew that if I had children, I could not have the career that right. I was having, oh, right? No, or else it was going to be very challenging. Yeah. Yep. So that was a more conscious de- decision on my part saying, okay, I'm going to put that off for as long as I can. So when did this all dissipate? Mm, so I have one more almost getting married story, which was at the age of 40. Mm. Mm. And at the age of 40, I know exactly why I was thinking I was going to get married because I was turning 40. Mm-hmm. It was not because I thought this was the right guy. Oh, he interesting. Was not the right guy. It was not because I loved him more than anything in the world. I did not love him that much. So this was a absolute lesson in trying to shove a square peg into a round (laughs) hole because it was time because I was thinking, oh my God, I'm turning 40. And if I don't do it now, it's never going to happen. And I still felt like I had that tiny window of having a kid if I wanted to, you know, it it was slipping away pretty quickly, but I still had that window maybe. So I was trying to force this and lo and behold, Three days before we're about to leave Singapore. This is a guy I met in Singapore, Australian, mistake. Um, (laughs) But um, three days before we were about to leave to come visit my parents in LA for him to ask them for my hand in marriage, he breaks up with me. (gasps) Yes. So did he know, like, did he get the sixth sense that you weren't fully into it? Like, what was the um, reason? I think it was a combination of probably getting some feeling from me, but also he... He was a cheater. Oh, okay. I didn't have any total proof, but I knew he was cheating. And also, I think he saw the writing on the wall in terms of me being this independent, again, independent, strong-minded woman. And I think he just was like, yeah, I don't want to do this. So, but he waited until the last minute. And that's what really pissed me off was that it not just affected me. I think I was more hurt by the fact that he was hurting my family. Mm, yeah, no kidding. Parents had prepared the house. They planted flowers. I mean, you know, my mom's an artist, so she painted this portrait uh, from a photo of the two of us. Oh my God. Waiting in his room. Oh my God. They were probably so excited too that this was like happening and like all this. They were. And so that happened. And I think I was more, I think I was angrier about the pain that he had caused my parents more than me. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. But ladies, I'm not just saying this. Thank the Lord <laughs> yeah. that, that happened. Because you dodged a bullet. Holy shit, I dodged a bullet. I mean, we've yes. seen that. We've definitely seen people do like the mad scramble when they yes. get into their like late 30s. I think people handle it differently. I feel like there's some people, I think I'm kind of on the second, the first boat of the sense of, or the second boat. The first boat is like boat, I guess, is the mad scramble. I think the second boat is kind of like what you said, UA too. It's like you kind of get a little at peace with it a little more. So yeah. I see people going in both directions, like one to just get it done before a certain time or being like more at ease with like easing up the timelines. Let's hold that thought for a second. We'll get right back to it. This episode is sponsored by Via. We all know there are things that can help set the mood in the bedroom, but did you know a little THC could also do that? Yes, Via has developed a unique blend of pleasure-enhancing cannabinoids, libido-strengthening herbs, and a low dose of THC all into one mind-blowing gummy called High Love. This gummy, wow, it will awaken your senses, increase blood flow, and intensify any sexual experience. I've been pleasantly surprised by the High Love gummies because it is just the right amount of 
THC for me to have a good time without feeling sleepy. And hey, if THC is not your thing, Via also offers a wide array of other gummies without it. And everything legally ships in 50 states with discreet packaging directly to your door. So if you're over 21, you can get 15% off and a free pack of award-winning Dreams THC plus CBN sleep gummies with our exclusive code DATEABLE at ViaHemp.com. That's V-I-I-A-H-E-M-P.com. Let the gummies work their magic. Head to ViaHemp.com and use the code DATEABLE to receive 15% off and one free sample of their sleepy dream gummies. That's ViaHemp.com and use the code D-A-T-E-A-B-L-E at checkout. Take your passion and pleasure to a whole new level with high love from Via Hemp. This episode is made possible by Armoire. Armoire makes getting dressed easy. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five-minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic, personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out. Listen, I live in Southern California. There is absolutely no need for puffer coats or any sort of those winter jackets. But when I travel anywhere else in the world in these cold months, I'm often burdened with the task of getting winter clothes. And now with Armoire, I can just rent my winter wardrobe. It's brilliant. Right now, our listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash datable. That is armoire.style, spelled A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash D-A-T-E-A-B-L-E to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. We are so excited to share with you our new podcast, Exit Interview. Dates don't usually end with a satisfaction survey, and yet we rate everything in our lives, from Uber drivers to local coffee shops. So why don't we do the same thing when dating? We're here to conduct the ultimate romance review, featuring daters hungry for love who have agreed to call up old flames to gather honest feedback. Welcome to Exit Interview. He upgraded himself to business class while I was in economy. Wait, wow. What? There's feedback that will make you cringe. She could be a little bit hard-headed, like not reading the writing on the walls. And feedback that will make you swoon. When she said that she had feelings for you. I had no idea. Really? And maybe you'll learn a thing or two yourself about how you can be a better dater, lover, or partner. Obviously, like, knew I was going to learn something. I didn't expect this. Welcome to Exit Interview. Listen to Exit Interview on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Right. So, yeah. And it's not just us. It's like our friends and family, society. My mom said to me last night, she said, if you and your boyfriend aren't going to have kids, let's get let's find you a donor. Let's just (laughs) get you a kid somewhere. Let's find a handsome donor. Literally, that's what she said. And she's like, you don't have much time. We got to do this. And I I really felt like I was in some sort of uh, like a prank or something. Like, really? (laughs) You you just want me to have kid with some random dude? Yeah, just do it. But speaking of this pressure, we have a lot of listeners who write in 
and say that they feel this pressure to couple up and settle down, especially during this time, they feel like their time has paused. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we talked about this on your show too, May. Yes. Yes. What do you think is, I mean, you've come out of this and you've mm-hmm. you've navigated your way out of this and you've done just fine. So what would be some advice from you to, to anybody who feels that time crunch? Yeah, I mean, you can't feel the pressure just because of time. You know, you have to think about, yourself in terms of what is it in your life that you really want and it's going to be lasting, right? I think we live in such a temporary society now where it's instant gratification, thinking something or someone or some object is going to make you happy, but then it's fleeting, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I really tell, try to tell younger people, it's like, listen, you have to try to get to know yourself much better than you probably do, and of course, that comes with time and wisdom and more experience and age. Um, but you really need to ask yourself, okay, just because society says this is the way it's supposed to be done doesn't mean it's necessarily for you. Mm-hmm. And society keeps inv- evolving and changing, like as we see, you know, all the time. And there's this now change in the dynamics of men and male roles and female roles. There's this I really think there's this pivotal change that's taking place overall Absolutely. Uh, in terms of family. What does family mean? What does it look like? Mm-hmm. What's a relationship now? I mean, it certainly doesn't necessarily mean marriage. It could be just, yeah, partnership, cohabitation. Some people don't even live, you know, some people are married and they don't even live in the same place. Right. I don't think it's such a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, though? It's interesting because I feel like we, I mean, one of our most popular episodes last season was relationship. Are you sure you want one? And I think yeah. a lot of people are questioning it. And I feel like even myself, I'm like, do I want a relationship or is it because like society tells me I should want one? Right. And I think though, one of the fears that I remember talking to a therapist about is that you're going to be, be left behind. So let's say you mm-hmm. decide that this isn't the path for you, but all like in your 20s and 30s, that's totally fine because there's more than enough people to do stuff with. And you have like alternative lives. You're not like some like spinster sitting at home with your cats. Right. But like there's a there's a story that's played out that like in your 30s and 40s and 50s and people have their own lives more like people that took the more traditional path and had kids and all that like what has been your experience? Like, do you feel like that's a stereotype that holds up or have you been able to like have that like same vibrant life that you had in yeah, your 20s and no, 30s? No, I mean, I'm, I'm a little unusual, but at the same time, I'll say this and uh, maybe I'm, I'm unusual even with my f- circle of friends. I literally have so many single girlfriends who like me have never been married and no mm. children. They have vibrant careers. They have vibrant lives. They're very active, travel all over the place. And they don't, they also feel the same way as I do in terms of, you know, we've made these choices and we're happy with these choices. There are ups and downs, but there's ups and downs with no matter what situation you're in. I have married friends who are some of them blissfully happy, others so miserable. Mm Mm-hmm living in hell and have children who, you know, are getting into trouble and all of that. So, you know, grass is always greener, of course, but I, I mean, I, I feel very blessed. I, I really do feel like I've lived the lifetimes of probably three people already. That's Mm -hmm. amazing. That's wonderful to hear. The character character from uh, Titanic. um, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Right. And you know how she was supposed to get married to this guy who was very controlling, blah, blah, blah. But then she falls in love with what, what was his name? Jack. Jack. Uh, Jack. Jack. <laughs> um, 
So, uh, and then, you know, you see the course of her life where she became like, she was traveling and she was going on adventures and you see all the photos of her life. Mm -hmm. Um, And I remember watching that and then later on thinking about, you know, that movie and that particular character. And I'm like, that's kind of how I feel with what I've done. I've decided to take the road of being more independent, more adventurous, and really try to live life fully and just see where it takes me. Um, And yes, there are moments, you guys, I'm not going to sugarcoat this. Of course, there are still moments where I think about, yeah, you know, it would have been nice to have a kid. Mm -hmm. You know, I think I would have made a really awesome mom, but it didn't happen that way. So I better use my life in the way that I'm meant to, whatever purpose that is. And right now, you know, I'm an adjunct professor at USC, so I teach young Mm -hmm. people. So that's totally gratifying. And then I do the show. And so, you know, I I feel like I have shaped a life, you know, is fitting for who I am. I'm so glad to hear that. I mean, I think it's one of those things, too, that it's it makes so much sense. And especially in today's society, like people are getting divorced more. Even if you get married, it's not a guarantee that that's going to be your life for the long run. So and yeah, like I love the grass is greener is totally true, too. It's like you always kind of always want what you can't have. And also, listen, you guys, I mean, social media has really messed up all of us, you know, so you people put up this front of think showing that their yep. life is so perfect and look at this perfect house and this perfect vacation on our perfect children and my perfect husband and mm-hmm. all, and all it's, it's all smoke and mirrors. Mm-hmm. So that's really messed up the psyche of a lot of people. And I think a lot of young women and girls are being programmed in a negative way that way too. So yeah, I mean, that that worries me when I, when I continuously see that on social media. Totally. Well, there's this book by Eric Kleinenberg, who was one of, is like a sociologist, and he was actually one of the co-authors of um, Modern Romance with Aziz Ansari. And he put mm. out a new book recently about just like this phenomenon of more people living alone. And he really like studied it as like a big cultural shift of what's been happening. And I think one of the findings that he mentioned is like people have this perception that if you're alone, you're lonely, you're not doing anything. But people that he like talked to had like the most social, vibrant social lives out of anyone, like even more than their married counterparts. Like they were more active in their communities. They were more active, like going to restaurants and like different more um, social engagements, like within their communities too. So it's one of those things. It's, it's, there's stereotypes, but they're not always accurate. No, I think we're breaking those stereotypes for sure. Um, as, as women certainly are, because look, let's be real. I mean, women have evolved much quicker than men, you know, because we've had to, right? Because mm-hmm. our roles have changed and we've obviously gained a lot more independence and a lot more rights. And the equality issue is still, you know, we're working on it and pay parity, all that stuff. <laughs> but still, the, the advancements have been pretty drastic. And so, because of that, you know, women are kind of growing into our own skin in a much better way. And so because of that newfound independence and that freedom, I think women are a lot more curious and more adventurous to want to see like where our lives can take us with or without a partner. Uh, and so the loneliness thing, we all get lonely. Come on. That's, that's <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, right. so doesn't get lonely on occasion, right? I know, again, people who are in relationships and they are the loneliest people I know. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. 
They always say like, there's nothing worse than being in a relationship and feeling lonely. Absolutely. So that is the worst, absolutely worst feeling. The worst feeling. Why is it so like single means lonely? I hate that that is like a stereotype. Yeah. Because it's typical aspect of like you're alone physically, but you know, it's it's all about what's inside you and how what you do with your time and your life. What I struggle with is this though, what we said at the top of this episode, which is you can't have it, you can have it all, but not all at the same time. And I see that absolutely with a lot of these celebrities like Will and Jada uh, Jada Pinkett Smith, you know, you <laughs> for years you had this image that they were this perfect family, their perfect careers, perfect kids, and then you hear about about what goes on behind closed doors when she's sleeping with her son's best friend. So that's, you know, that's a whole other story. But then my question is, does that mean that when we have something going for us, we need to sacrifice something else? Is that is that the reality then? Well, okay. So I have talked to a lot of high powered women in my time as a journalist. And then, you know, I just meet these people because of what I do and, and, you know, the events that I go to. And it's very rare when they, if they're speaking truthfully, it's very rare for them to say, oh yeah, I've never had to sacrifice anything. Mm -hmm. They will always say they had to sacrifice something and they always have guilt. Mm -hmm. Women have tremendous guilt and it's unfair. It's not fair. I know life isn't fair, but for some reason, maybe it's in our DNA, it's, you know, the way we're made up as women, uh, but we have such guilt mm-hmm. when we have to make a sacrifice. And so therefore, I think psychologically, it's even harder for women to try to juggle so many things, you know, in their lives. And so they end up being, you know, totally stressed out kind of feeling like they're not living their lives fully, either as a career woman or a mother or a wife or mm-hmm. a friend, you know, because they just can't, they can't do everything 100%. Um, and that's just the reality. So I think the best, most successful women that I've talked to who have been able to handle it, they say, I just prioritize, mm-hmm. you know, I know mm-hmm. that something has to be sacrificed. Yep. So therefore I have to truly ask myself, what's most important to me? And it goes back to knowing yourself, mm-hmm. right? You got to know what your values are, truly, truly what your values are and what's going to be lasting. And I think that really takes time, you know, to develop that because, you know, what my values and what I thought I wanted in my life in my twenties are totally yeah, different. Yeah, for sure. Are you kidding? Now I don't give a shit about half the stuff that I care <laughs> no about. No kidding. Yeah. Um, and, and, and ladies just, all of you out there, your 50s, do not dread them. I'm telling you, the 50s rock. Why? You do not give a shit about <laughs> anything or what anybody thinks about you. You do not care. I love that. And also, I Great feel feeling. like it was one of those things that everyone was dreading their 20s. Then they were dreading their 30s. Then they were dreading mm-hmm. their 40s. And then every year, it's be like, 40s, the new 30. Like, everything just keeps shifting. So, yeah. yeah but I think now it, it actually is something very real because you are seeing that even with the celebrities, mm-hmm. you know, the... I mean, you know, it's being celebrated now because it's the combination of the wisdom, you know, mm-hmm. now we're actually respecting the wisdom and the experience. And obviously people are taking better care of themselves. So they're looking really great right, too, right, you know? So right. I think that is a, I think that's a great change that's taking place where older women especially are being more respected and are being seen as beautiful and, you know, um, not disposable like they were before. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, look at JLo for crying out loud. Seriously. What, the, what does she do? I want to know what she does. <laughs> I mean, don't you wish that we were back in simpler times when all women were stacked up against were just their looks? No. And no. Nothing else? I don't like, want to wish no, that. No. <laughs> I wish that it was just simpler times where we just had one thing that Don't all we need is just that one thing to worry about. Now it's like this this is what I the narrative I always hear. She looks amazing for her age and she has kids and she has a career yeah. and she has a family. But you never hear that about men. Like nobody's looking at George Clooney being like, "Oh, he looks amazing for his career and he's a dad and he's yeah. a great okay. husband." Right? It's like women are it just one thing isn't enough anymore. Like no. you have to be all these things and men just can just they I mean they dad bod is so celebrated in this culture. I still don't understand why. <laughs> right? We're like, yeah, he has a dad bod. Go dad bod. But I then know. we're like, J Lo, she's fifty and she looks like she's twenty five. Plus Come she has a thriving right. career. I'm sure who's pushing that dad bod narrative and doing the marketing behind pushing that idea? It's seriously because then they can get away with having dad bods. So. Yeah. So women just need to move into marketing more. <laughs> yeah, we just need to like control higher level money. marketing. <laughs> it's true, though. I think there is this narrative now that we can have it all and we should have it all. And I agree with you, though. It's like, how do you prioritize? Like, and especially I think it's the, the part I question. It's like right now. And you actually touched on this, May. It's like right now I have my priorities. And to be mm-hmm. honest, I don't know if I want children, but I fear that like, in a couple years, I'll regret that decision. Like, how do you make peace with being in the moment opposed to always having to look in the future or the past? Yeah, I think that's, I was a victim for many years about always looking ahead, like never stopping just to enjoy the moment. I was always like, okay, what's next? Okay, what job am I going to get next? Where am I going to go next? And um, that is my one regret, actually. I don't have a lot of regrets in life. I I don't believe in them because what are you Mm going to do about it? But Mm -hmm. but I will say, if I have to think about something I wish I could have done less of or changed, I would have done much less of that, of Mm. always just looking ahead and always, you know, worrying about like, okay, what am I going to do now? You know, because you can't control the future. You certainly can't change the past, right? So you got to make do and do what's right right now you know, and figure, figure shit out as you go along because all the planning in the world could just completely get tossed out the window. That's why the line, the John Lennon line um, from his song, Beautiful Boy is one of my favorite quotes. It's, um, uh, life is what happens when you're busy making other plans. Yeah, mm-hmm. love it. Um, and that's exactly right, you know? Um, and so I have definitely come um, at peace with that whole notion now, but you know, I'm 54, it took a while. So even in my 40s, I was still trying to control, you know, the future and and the direction um, in a way that I think was somehow restrictive without me even knowing it. So I think part of it is because there's like a fear. Like, I think this is something I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. But I feel like you hear this narrative, the older you get, the more difficult dating gets because there's a smaller pool Mm, and all of that. Scarcity. It's scarcity mindset. And I feel like if you're already feeling like it's difficult, there's just like tons of pressure and all of that. Like, I guess from your experience, like, have you experienced that? Like, do you think the dating pool is different in your 50s as it was in your 40s or your 30s? Oh, totally. (laughs) Oh, my God. No. I mean, okay, I'll I'll give you the nitty gritty. So, um, 
in your 50s, even in your 40s. Um, so because I've tried online dating on and off, you know, different platforms. Um, the only one that I haven't, well, there's a couple I haven't tried, but I've never done Tinder. I have no interest in doing Tinder just because of the reputation <laughs> it has. So, um, but what happens is there's ageism. Yep. You know, there's just downright ageism. It doesn't matter because online dating and the apps, you know, it allows you to control your settings, right? Mm-hmm. So age is one of them. So most guys, even guys who are in their 50s, right. their maximum age that they're going to put on for to find a woman is going to be like 39 or yeah. something. Yeah, or 35, right? right? Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm just going to boast for one second. I look better than most 35-year-old women, okay? No, but I do. Never going, I'm <laughs> never going to cross their... Right. No, their own because Mm -mm. of my age. So of course the pool is going to be uh, smaller for me because I'm not even given a chance to meet some of these people. So that makes it hard. But here's the thing. I have gotten to a stage where I'm selective too, Mm -hmm. because at 54, do you think I'm just going to date anyone? Anybody? Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, I have better things to do. Seriously. Mm -hmm. Yes, there are moments where I'm like, oh, yeah, it would be nice if somebody could take me out to dinner. But nobody's doing that right now, so it doesn't matter. (laughs) You know, but but overall, I think, well, it better be worth it. It better be worth my time. It better really be something that I enjoy and we enjoy together, the person, whoever I'm dating. Or else, what's the why? Why would I do that? I don't need to get married for financial reasons. I'm not getting married, you know, to have a baby. So a relationship to me now is much more meaningful. Mm-hmm. And it's got to bring some sort of enhancement to my life as well as that other person. I don't need to be completed. I don't need to complete somebody else. You know, that mm-hmm. Jerry McGuire line sucks ass. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm now, already complete. Thanks very yeah, much. Thank you very much. I would love enhancement though. And then mm-hmm. opportunity to share, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and, that, and have a connection. So if that's not there, then I'm not going to just do it out of desperation. Do you find that also the men that you, tr- you attract are different? Now in your 50s, I'm going to take a, I'm just going to take a stab here. I'm going to guess that you attract a lot of what we call tater tots, young men who are just like little snacks. They may not be good for you long term, but they're good to snack on every once in a while. I'm going to, I'm going to guess there are a lot of young men after you. I love the fact that you have all these terms. <laughs> I'm all these terms from you guys. It's so fun. Tater tots. Yeah. Well, okay. So from my online dating experiences, um, uh, yes, there, there are definitely guys in their 30s mm-hmm. who, yeah, are attracted. And, and I don't know if it's because they're looking for a sugar mama or, you know, whatever. I, I don't know. And so for me, I'm definitely not one to take the bait. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I've never been somebody who has been attracted to really younger men. Yeah. Yeah. So are you meeting people more like, like, I guess, post pre COVID, since COVID is hard to do this? Like, were you mostly using apps? Or were you mostly meeting like people out and about? Like what's okay, so (laughs) if I had if I had a dollar for every time I said, I am never going to do online dating again, ever. I'm (laughs) (laughs) you'd be so rich. (laughs) Very rich right now. Um, but pre COVID, I had done that again. I was like, I'm, I'm done. I'm so done. Unless <laughs> I meet somebody organically, forget it. And I swore it off again. Mm-hmm. I got set up by somebody mm. uh, back in early February. 
And um, it was a setup. And I was like, oh my God, when does that ever happen anymore? I never get set up. Yeah, so rare. And so I got set up, went out with this guy, very beginning of February, and we hit it off like a house on oh, fire. amazing. Like, immediately. So we started dating and I really was smitten. I was smitten. He was, you know, age appropriate. We're like one year apart. Divorced, has a 14 year old, you know, so, you know, definitely like secure or whatever, or so I thought. Uh, and he just said, I'm not, I, I have no vision. I have no vision for what I want. Mm. And he just kind of ghosted me during COVID. So that was not, oh, yeah, I mean, I, um, I have one of those COVID stories of somebody sort of like not being sensitive to what everyone's going through and, you know. Yeah. Sort so of people ghost at 50 as well? Unfortunately, honey, they do. I mean, we talked to someone at 70 Damn. that got ghosted. That's true. So. That's true. But see, at 70, you don't know if they ghosted or, or they or they really ghosted. Oh, Oh, yeah. yeah well, COVID's the same. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that changes with age. I think people are still, you know, you, Julie, you mentioned fear yeah. a little while ago. And I think fear is the, at the heart of a lot of behavior. Yes. Right? So you, you act fearfully. Because of fear, you act out of desperation. Um, because of fear, you ghost somebody because it's too emotional. It's, it's getting too intimate. You know, so fear definitely prevents people from being true to themselves. Mm-hmm. Honestly, and if even at, in your fifties, if they're not, you know, um, aware of themselves and have that self-awareness about who they are, what they want, they're still it. They're going to be exactly the same as a thirty-year-old. Totally. Well, it's a good yeah. segue to takeaways because I feel like fear is definitely one that I'm gathering from this too. Because like even some mm. of the stereotypes that I asked you or we asked in this, like that's coming from just what society tells you to be scared about. Yeah. It's not coming from anyone you know or any truth. And I know like even during quarantine, I remember like when I was first alone, like living alone, I'm like, oh my God, this is going to be terrible. Like I'm going to be so lonely. And I've not felt that at all. And I think it's like at the end of the day too, there's this fear of like ending up by yourself. Like that is the worst thing that could possibly happen. Like you were spoon fed this from a very early age. And I've been thinking over this quarantine too. I'm like, if this is what it is, I'm, I'm, it's not that bad. Like, you know, I'm I'm doing okay. Like, (laughs) I'm like, I like, as long as like you can find things that fuel yourselves. Like I know there's people that are equally by themselves or even in relationships that are struggling or having different ways of dealing with like this time. And I think it's just like, how do you build a life that you're passionate about? And that doesn't necessarily, like, it could be the traditional path of having a family, not saying it can't be, but it also can be many other things. And I think that's really like the takeaway with all this is that nothing anymore is one singular route. And like, especially us, like coming from like an age of divorce, we've seen that that is not necessarily the solution to happiness. And I think that's what's making it just like more accepted that people are just on their own paths and living life and each age, each generation becomes the new 20, the new 30. And I think that's great. I'm glad that we're hearing like living proof of that. Oh, Mm -hmm. no, I think I think it's a continuous evolution. um, Mm -hmm. And it's an expansion of the definition of what life and family and relationships are supposed to be about. It's not this one. It's not this one small box. Mm -hmm. Right. It's now like multiple boxes. Actually, the box is being kind of blown open (laughs) and you can define what it is that you want in your life and what you, you want your life to look like. And hey, it can change. Right. 
And mm-hmm. so don't think that just because it's this way now, it's not going to change in the next decade. Because that's that's kind of what happened with me. You know, each decade, something different happened with the relationship or my career or where I lived. And I kind of just went with it. Right. Right. And, and I made choices, some very conscious choices and just some very organic you know, choices that just happen, right? Mm-hmm. So that's, that's the difference. I think people, that's why I think quarantine has been good, I hope. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That it made people just stop mm-hmm. and really look at themselves and ask mm-hmm. themselves some tough, serious questions, you know, about what they want, who they are, what they care about, and how they want to spend their time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I think you know? it's it's all about mindset. And you said this earlier, like you realized that you were not on the path of family and children. And you can right. choose to be upset and look at yourself like, you know, like there's something wrong with you, or you can choose to live the life that you're meant to live. And right. I think it's all goes back to that. Like you can be scared of like what's happening in the future. You can be scared that you're not going to like have, you know, the dating pool is going to shrink or all that. But the reality is no one knows what's in store for them in life. Mm -hmm. Right, right. Listen, Mm -hmm. I have aunts who are traditional Korean women, all married with children and, you know, their kids have children and everything like that. And, And then my mother too, she's 84. And now they're all saying to me and my mom, Oh, May is so much better off with her life. She has the most amazing life. You know, I mean, wow, grass is always greener. Exactly. And so, and in Korea, the new trend in Korea is that women are staying single. They're oh, going, yeah. oh, they're oh. going to eat, you know, by themselves. They're going traveling by themselves. They're not getting married because they don't want to. Mm-hmm. So this is happening around the world. This is mm-hmm. a, an evolution of females and rede- redefining family and, you know, how one chooses to live their life. Mm. That's, uh, that's fascinating. I think, you know, it just goes into what I'm taking away from this whole conversation is... This idea of like not planning too far ahead yeah. and being accepting where you are today. And I, I agree with you, May. I think quarantine has been really good for that because whatever plans you made in 2020, yeah. guess what? <laughs> you can just rip that piece of paper up because that's not going to happen. But it's been really freeing for me to think now, marinating in the present and feeling my feelings right now and not having to try to multitask to move my life forward in some way. And I've heard this actually from a lot of people. And my mom and I have this conversation all the time. Why can't women be happy? Right. Because we always want more. Yeah. We're always like, what's next? What's the next step? How how do I make this better? How do we get to that next level? Why can't we just freaking chill? Because we already put so much pressure (laughs) on ourselves as is. We just got to chill, which goes into my next takeaway, which is like, I think after this conversation, it's not so much about sacrifice when it comes to having it all. It's Mm reprioritizing. And that reprioritization probably happens on a daily basis, I think, right? And it's okay. I mean, I've had days where I try to crush it at everything and (laughs) I end up not crushing anything. I just end up crushing myself. So finding that one thing that, uh, that takes precedence today and might not tomorrow, I'm going to crush that and everything else. I'm going to try to just deprioritize and giving us a space to just say that is okay to do. That is also liberating for, for women. But I do want to pose this, um, the scenario, and this is just for future discussion, which is if more women are choosing to stay single, 
that means many men will have to stay single involuntarily, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's just how it works. So for a lot of the men out there, I think women have already gone on this journey of what what it's like to be alone and single. And we, you know, it's like, it's it's okay for us to be on this journey now. We've been talking about it for so long. But for men, I think for a lot of you who are listening, now's the time to think about this journey too, because your time is coming. Women have been talking to each other about this for so long. But for for men, I know a lot of my male friends have a really hard time being alone. Yes. A much harder time than some of my girlfriends. Being alone, even, no matter your relationship status, I think it is healthy to learn how to be alone. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, I mean, even if you're married for your entire life, someone's going to die first. Like, they're going to be alone at some point of your life, potentially. And oh, I mean, if you look yes. at just like... So many of our listeners are coming into the redate, like coming back yes. into the dating scene in their 40s, in their 50s, in their 60s. Like nothing is like a hundred percent always the way it's going to stay. Like there's going to be periods that you could be alone. So I think being comfortable being alone is probably the one, <laughs> one of the best or things that I way. know for I mean, myself. Whatever. And I put a priority on that is to like just learn to be comfortable, like taking trips by yourself, just being happy in your own presence. Like I know personally that has really made this quarantine a lot easier than if I didn't do that work. Yeah, yeah. But they they always say that, um, I know statistically, men, when they get divorced, they want to immediately Mm -hmm. get back into a relationship. Women, when they get divorced, they kind of want to be like, whoa, I want to be alone. (laughs) Yeah, well, it's also women initiate more divorces. Yeah, that's true too. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, and I think for men who are listening, um, yeah, you guys, you know, get in touch with yourselves a little bit. And I don't mean that way. <laughs> I don't mean that way. I mean, maybe during you know, quarantine. Yeah. I'm sure you're already doing that. <laughs> but um, I just find like men, I wish they would do more self reflection yep. and self assessment because I think, you know, again, the natural tendency for men is to hide their feelings, stuff their emotions, whatever, and not really talk to anyone. Yes. That's where we're lucky as women. We have our female friends and we'll talk to anybody about that. That's a way of releasing um, and getting that, you know, uh, consoling advice from somebody. But with men, I, I do feel sorry for them sometimes. You know, there are some men who are very evolved and yep. they are open, but oftentimes they still have that masculinity kind of thing that hang up. And so therefore, you know, I, I feel like they're not, maybe they're not evolving as quickly as women are. And so I wonder if there's this paradigm shift taking place where the gap is going to keep getting wider wider between women. I mean, the only thing that is going on also is that like there is this redefinition of masculinity that's happening. So I think that is actually going to help men in this that they can, I think for so many years, it was seen as a weakness that you could show emotion. And now it's being like, no, it's okay. Like what women evolved and had that liberation. I think men are starting to see that now. So I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm hopeful that we won't go to the huge gap and that we'll actually start to come more together and more have like healthier, you know, feelings of being alone and all that. And absolutely, we've been having these conversations separately. If we're going to talk about masculinity, include women in the conversation. If we're going to talk about feminism, include men in the conversation too. This is why we can't have only have our girlfriends to tell us, what do you think the guy's thinking? Like, how would our girlfriends know any better than we would? So I I think it's just, it just shows that we need to come together and have these conversations. Yue, that's a very good point because I think oftentimes when 
you know, women are going through an issue with a man, we go mm-hmm. to our girlfriends. And of course, our girlfriends would be like, girl, he All sucks. You know, he's oh my God, he's such a jerk. You know, well, that's fine because sometimes yeah. you need that. But yeah. I do think even at, at my age, I do think, man, you know, I would really love to get a different side of yeah. this. Join our Facebook group. <laughs> That's our shameless plug for the Facebook group. But I feel like that has been, I mean, honestly, one of the like most beautiful things that I've ever seen. Like we have a community of men and women mm-hmm. and everyone is just so supportive of each other. You see the different perspectives. And I think like when you get into communities where it's just one sex, it's really detrimental of like your viewpoint. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For sure. Oh, yeah, that's good we're going to invite you. You're going to join yeah. our Facebook group, whether you like it or not. <laughs> One last question for you, for you, May, before we let you go. Um, yeah. What does being dateable mean to you? Oh, wow. Okay. What's being dateable? What does that mean to me? It means, um, I think being dateable means being open and being honest, being authentic. I think that's something that makes someone dateable. Um, and, and if you are willing to open up and be really genuine, in who you are, what you're about, what your values are, then I think connection would be so much easier to make um, sooner than later without all this other superficiality and bullshit that people get mm-hmm. mired in. So, so yeah, so that would, that, that's what Dateable Great means answer. to me. Love, Love it. it. And if people want to stalk you, where should they go? <laughs> Don't say your home address. Especially those little, uh, what did you call them? Tater tots? Tater tots. Yeah, I get those tater tots in. Um, yeah, no, they can they can certainly tune into the May Lee Show, which is on YouTube on the May Lee Show channel. Please subscribe if you can. Um, and then on Instagram, the May Lee Show, and Twitter and Facebook. Uh, so yeah, we're on all those different platforms, and uh, we have a lot of fun. UA, we, our show has gotten a lot of play already. Lots. Of oh man! Oh, I love it! I can't um, We'll have yes. to share that with our audience too, but that's amazing. So yeah, if you guys want to check out UA Should, on the Lee we show, had, then, we had a really yeah. good time and we, <laughs> we plucked a couple of clips to tease the show. And one of them was when we were talking about that other term of yours. Oh yes, that. Julie's, it's actually Julie's favorite term. Can you guess Julie, what that term is? Fuck boys? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So use that clip and all these people are commenting on it. It's great. <laughs> That's Julie. I love that. Julie, you're the, the face of fuck boys. Julie right is the fuck boy slayer. That's my oh, new. Yeah, that's her it. new tagline. So just so you know, but you are the face of fuck boys right now. So I hope I'm not the face of fuck boys. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> that defeats yeah. the whole purpose. But yes. Yes. Okay, so Everybody you're check respons- out. You're responsible for that term. Well, it's apparently you- love talking about fuckboys. I, I think I just said the, ter- the name. There's something that's, uh, you know, well, so guess, what, guess what one of my viewers said when she mm. saw the clip? She's like, oh, no, they're still online. They're still <laughs> there and they're still playing the game. Oh, they are. Yeah. They are. You, yeah. It's just easier to spot them now. Yeah. That's true. You just don't fuck with the fuckboys. That's right, it. Right. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> On that note, we're going to wrap this up. <laughs> Thank you so much, May, for, uh, I mean, this is, just, we needed this discussion so much. I yeah. needed to hear this. Julie and I have had so many conversations about this, but everybody, there is such a huge difference between your mindset and where you physically are right now, which could be alone, but doesn't mean that it has to um, make you feel a certain way because right. you are still the same person. It really doesn't. Right. 
live in the present. Live in the present. Yeah. It doesn't place a value on who you are, whether you're alone or not. Value so, yourself. Yeah, value, learn to yes. value yeah. yourself. Yeah. Yes, definitely. Okay. And don't forget, if you love us, if you love May, if you love both of us, <laughs> uh, give us a rating in Apple Podcasts, you know, five stars. We'll take that. But if, you know, just be honest, but we always love five star ratings. And if you have time for a quick comment, we truly value that because the more ratings we get, the better guests we get. And so we get guests like May back on their show. And because now she knows we're legit. <laughs> I'll definitely come back. Awesome. (laughs) And we'll wrap this up. Stay Stay dateable. dateable. The Dateable Podcast is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts. Want to continue the conversation? First, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter with the handle at Dateable Podcast. Tag us in any post with the hashtag Stay Dateable and trust us, we look at all those posts. Then head over to our website, datablepodcast.com. There you'll find all the episodes as well as articles, videos, and our coaching service with vetted industry experts. You can also find our premium Y series where we dissect, analyze, and offer solutions to some of the most common dating conundrums. We're also downloadable for free on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Overcast, Stitcher Radio, and other podcast platforms. Your feedback is valuable to us, so don't forget to leave us a review. And most importantly, remember to stay dateable. Thank you.